You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Hey, Life Church Livonia, welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning. I got to say, it's a privilege to be together this morning. My name's Alex. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and if we haven't met, why not? You know what I mean? Shoot a comment, okay? <laughs> love to respond to that. <laughs> I'd love to have you reach out to us here at Life Church Livonia. Welcome to our new series, Ready for Rest. It's that time of year again, isn't it? We're all planning our summer vacations and we're looking forward to time at the beach, time with the family, time for ourselves, time with some friends, you know the whole spiel. But even though most of us are longing for rest, I don't know about you, every summer for me somehow becomes this crazy chaotic mix of doing work in life and rushing from thing to thing and rushing to get ready for vacation and striving to control the stuff because now that we've got vacation coming, I gotta finish the taxes, I gotta finish the things, I gotta finish my work, I gotta do this, I gotta get the dog washed. And it, the summer just becomes this blur. I end up crashing onto the weekend like, like a shipwreck victim crashing onto the shore and I'm just scrolling on my phone hoping somehow that recharges me. Does that sound familiar? Because <laughs> it's familiar to me. It's an all too familiar rest or all too familiar mess. Most of us want rest. I think all of us want rest, but most of us don't know how to get ready for it. Our life is on this pendulum that swings between being overloaded and being totally comatose. We've all had those summers where we, at the end we need a vacation from our vacation, but that's not how God wants us to live, even though that's how I've lived for a lot of my life. See, back in 2014, I found myself in my senior year of college. I was overworked and I was overloaded. I was on the campus worship team and we led worship twice a week. On top of that, I was serving at church and leading worship and playing in the band on Sundays. I was engaged to Amber and we were planning our wedding, which was quite the undertaking. I was a barista at a campus coffee shop and making some money there. I was a leader of a local missions trip to Hamtramck where we met Dave and Nan Walter. Uh, and uh, I was a full-time student. I had just joined my band, The Tambre of Cedar, and in January of my senior year, I signed on to help our founding pastor, Brian Nanaga, plant Life Church Livonia. Needless to say, I was overfull. I was overwhelmed. And unfortunately, that wasn't an exception. I would love to say, you know, it was just a busy season. And it was. But so was the season before. <laughs> and so was the season before that. And so were the three years before that. You know, I, basically since junior year of high school, my life and schedule had been as full as I could make them. The plus side of this was I got a ton done. The downside of this was that my emotional world slowly shut down until I didn't get upset about very much, but I also didn't enjoy very much either. I remember being on dates with Amber and I would be thinking, I should be enjoying this right now. I love this woman. I've been looking forward to this. I've been excited about this all week, but as I'm sitting here on this date, I'm so emotionally dead. It's like I'm watching someone else hang out with the woman I love. And Amber began to notice that and express the same things to me. She'd say, Alex, you're here, but you're inaccessible in some way. There's a part of you that's emotionally shut off that I can't access, and it makes me not feel close to you. As these experiences and conversation move from being once in a while to a little more often to a weekly conversation, uh, it began to scare me. My lack of ability to feel things really began to scare me. 
And when I was stressed, that numbness was awesome. It was like, okay, sweet, I'm not getting rattled by too much. But when I wanted to be sad at a funeral, or I wanted to be happy on a date, or I wanted to feel God's presence, that numbness felt like a curse. God does not want us to live this way. God did not want me to live this way. This way of life is not just not ideal. It is corrosive, and it is destructive to our very souls. And we feel that. What I didn't need was a vacation. What I did need was transformation on the deepest level of who I was. And that's what this series, Ready for Rest, is all about. All of us have areas in our lives that are characterized by a distortion of God's design for us. We get trapped in cycles of doing, of scrolling, of rushing, and of striving. And this series addresses each of these cycles through one of the classic spiritual disciplines. And as we practice these disciplines, we're changed at a core level of who we are and are able not just to enter into vacation, but into a deeply rejuvenating rest in body and mind and in spirit. So let me finish my story. In my junior year of college, two things changed that radically transformed my trajectory and my life. The first thing was a simple prayer I learned from a teacher. Lord, help me feel again. Lord, help me feel again. And slowly but surely, I began to feel my emotions again. This was inconvenient and confusing and felt unproductive, but you know, that's a totally different sermon. The second thing that changed for me was I was given an assignment to practice two spiritual disciplines and then write a paper about them. And the two that I chose were fasting and Sabbath. And to say that observing the Sabbath changed my life would be an understatement in the most extreme degree. As I began to observe the Sabbath and set aside one day a week as holy unto the Lord, that I might stop my work, that I might rest in God's presence, that I might delight in the gift of being alive, that I might contemplate God and His goodness, my whole life began to radically transform. Today we're going to be talking about undoing through the Sabbath. Because we're human beings. We are not human doings. God didn't make us for work. He made work for us. Sabbath is very, very difficult for many people, and it's been very difficult for me, especially in the beginning. And the reason it's hard for us as Americans especially is it's not just a day of rest. It's a day of no work. And the American culture, like many other cultures, has a distorted relationship with both work and rest. And we often fall into two extremes, don't we? Extreme number one is workaholism. Many of us are workaholics. I definitely have a propensity toward workaholism. I'm a recovering workaholic. A gentleman said in an article about workaholism, he said, it starts like alcoholism with social working, right? You're around people who are like really into their jobs and you get around people like their whole life revolves around work and you start uh, feeling like, man, how, how far can I go until I get worked under the table, right? And I have to take a day off. You end up getting hooked on work. And you end up passing out after so much work and you pass out by becoming emotionally dead at home, unable to engage with your family or faith. And this was me. Eventually your friends and family tell you to stop, they beg you to slow down, but you're just too busy to listen. Then when you try to slow down, you start to go through withdrawals and you try to resolve that by you bring a little work home on the weekends or on vacation, you're in the bathroom and you're finishing an email or sending a post or something just to get the stress to alleviate. 
But this is workaholism. You go on binges where all you do from morning till evening is work and you collapse in your bed and wake up and do it again. For workaholics, Christmas vacation and holidays, not fun, not enjoyable. It's so much work just to get ready for them and then we don't finish everything so we bring work home on the vacation or the holiday with us. This is not good. But, I mean, even workaholics know there's a cap, right, that you can't work forever. And it's even been in popular business journals over the last 10 years that if you take a little bit of rest, your productivity increases. And so workaholics rest, but they rest so they can work. And that's really the core of workaholism's perspective on work and rest. We rest so we can work. The other extreme is somewhere between this grading acceptance of work and an active dislike of work or even of effort at all. You could call this group the clocked in but checked out group. I just came up with that. You can, you can write that down, you know, use it later with your friends. This group endures work. Work is not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's a necessity that is a drudgery. And this group nurses a certain kind of fantasy. They nurse the fantasy all day of getting out of work early. And this is often the goal of the workday. How much, how little work can I do and not get fired? How much can I get not done before I get clocked out, right? You know, like the, the goal of the, for these folks is like, okay, I'm going to look like I'm working and I'm going to do enough to get by, but anytime I can be at my desk and not be working, I'm going to take that, right? And so these folks have this dream. This dream of having enough time, money, power, health to just do whatever they want to do and not have demands made of them that they don't want to do. They dream of living near Lake Michigan. This is my dream, right? Living near Lake Michigan in a house with a beautiful Four Seasons room looking at an amazing forest. There's an awesome coffee shop just like a block and a half from my house. I'm really close to the beach or basically on it. And of course, it wouldn't be a dream if my family wasn't with me, but there's no conflict in my family. Everybody's healthy. We have tons of fun, great memories. I'm reading rich books I'm really receiving from. We're playing games together. We take long walks on the beach. <laughs> and I sleep peacefully, and every night is restful, and all my dreams are good. <laughs> right? This is the fantasy. This is the fantasy. If only I could get away from work, then that could be my life. That's the other extreme, and this group thinks we work so we can rest. Work is an overlord, and rest is the reward for obeying them. Both these patterns of thinking and living are broken relationships with work and rest, and they're destructive, and they leave us depleted. They do not leave us rested. And these attitudes often exist in the same person on a pendulum. I know they exist in me on a pendulum, where I go from being a workaholic to just fantasizing about that house on Lake Michigan. <laughs> right? So we want to get away from these extremes. And we want to truly integrate our whole lives with God, because work is not a bad thing. And our lives are meant to be a sign and a wonder that point the world to Jesus. And I believe the spiritual discipline of Sabbath is the path out of these extremes and into God's intended design. So this morning, we're going to talk about undoing through the spiritual discipline of the Sabbath. Now, it's impossible to do a full comprehensive study on this in one sermon. It's so impossible, in fact, I think next year we're going to do a whole series on this, because as I was working on this, I was like, oh my gosh, the things I have to cut that I just do not want to. So if you get piqued in your interest on this and you want to take a deeper dive, have questions about uh, different things about Sabbath, we have some resources for you that are going to be linked in this video description. So you can click on those and take a, a next step if you're interested. But the two questions we're going to look at today are what is the Sabbath and how do I keep it? What is the Sabbath and how do I keep it?
So we're going to start with our question, what is the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath is not our idea. It's God's idea. And there are two major places that the Sabbath is defined in the Bible. The first is in the Genesis narrative at the end of creation, and the second is in the Ten Commandments. And we're going to start in Genesis. It's the beginning of the Bible. Why not make it the beginning of the sermon, right? So this is what it says. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now there are two key kind of descriptors about Sabbath in this passage. One, it's a day we rest from all work. Now there's a debate in the biblical community about, well, are the days described in Genesis 24-hour days, or are they long periods of time that just get called days? That debate is fine. It has nothing to do with Sabbath. Historically, the Sabbath is a 24-hour day of rest and has been that way for thousands of years all throughout the biblical history as well as Jewish and Christian history. So the Sabbath is simply a 24-hour day of rest. And the second thing is the Sabbath is a day that is holy. The Sabbath is a day that is holy. Now, the word holy means set apart, but not in a negative way like, go over there, you're not one of us, but set apart in the way like, a Rolls Royce is set apart from my Chrysler minivan, right? Or the way that a Stradivarius violin that was handmade 200 years ago is set apart from a student-made Chinese violin that's mass-produced in a factory, right? These are not the same thing. Or the way that a high school graduation is set apart from just another day at school. Or the way a 10th anniversary is set apart from just a date night. It's special. It's separate. It's sacred. It's holy. It's set apart. And God says the Sabbath is a unit of time that is holy. This unit of time is not like the others. It is set apart and it is holy unto the Lord, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Because the Sabbath isn't just a day of doing nothing. Holy unto the Lord means it's God's day. Doing nothing is a part of that. And we'll get to that a little more later. Now, before we get into the Ten Commandments, I want to point out another thing about this Genesis passage that is just amazing to me. This passage is at the end of the sixth day of creation. God is talking about the seventh day as the Sabbath. Does anyone remember when human beings were created? What day were human beings made on? Some of you guessed right, it was the sixth day. Not only were human beings made on the sixth day, there were three things made on the sixth day. Livestock was one. Next, the creatures that moved along the ground was two. And the third was human beings. What does that mean? Why is that important? It means that human beings did not help God in any of the work of creation. Why is that important? Human beings' first experience of life and existence was not creating or working. The first experience of existence was resting with God on the Sabbath. And that means that God made you and I to work from rest, not to work for rest. That's the design that God lays out in the book of Genesis for Sabbath. We were never designed to burn the candle at both ends only to crash into an unsatisfying and busy weekend. That is not how God made us. He made us to begin the foundation of our lives in this experience of Sabbath rest with Him. The Sabbath rest is a core part of the human experience and design. It's something God made us for. And it's something that uh, was not designed for us to just take or leave depending on how busy our schedule is. 
Abraham Joshua Heschel, in his book, The Sabbath, says this, The Sabbath is the day on which we learn the art of surpassing civilization. The Sabbath is not for the sake of the weekdays. The weekdays are for the sake of the Sabbath. It is not an interlude, but the climax of living. Just powerful stuff. The Sabbath is a rhythm of life that reorients our inner and outer worlds towards our original human design by giving work a limit and saying no, and by telling God yes. When work gets limits, uh, work gets limits in the Sabbath, but God does not. And when we observe the Sabbath, we shift from work as the center of our lives to God as the center of our lives. Now, some of you are listening to this and you're like, oh, dude, so good. Yes, I love the Sabbath. Oh, rest the best. And some of you are listening to this and you're getting frustrated and you're getting stressed out. And you're thinking, that's really nice, Alex. Sounds really great. Yeah, I would love a day of rest. Thank you very much. But you don't know about my life, do you? You know, maybe you're a single mom. Maybe you're working two jobs. Maybe you got some kind of crisis going on. And you're right, I don't know your life. I mean, I'm sure you go, you don't understand. If I took a day of rest like this, everything would collapse. I'm already drowning. How can I possibly do less? And I understand. I understand. And really your question is, why should I do this? Why should you do this Sabbath? And you know what? You're right. I don't know your life circumstances. I don't know how busy you are. I don't know how stressed you are. And I don't know what's most important to you right now. But I do know that observing the Sabbath is always an act of faith. Observing the Sabbath is always an act of faith. It's always been that way. You see, when God gives the Israelites the Sabbath and the Ten Commandments, they have to trust that they're going to get enough food on uh, Friday to last them two days because they're not going to have to harvest or collect manna the next day. And God's not going to send it. And so they're trusting that God is going to give them enough to carry them through. And when we take the Sabbath, we have to trust God. We have to trust God to provide for our projects, to provide for our home, to provide for our finances, to provide for our needs, to provide for our kids, to provide for us. We have to trust that if we honor God with our limits, he's going to provide for us. We're limited and he's limitless. And my limits are not limits to him. But I promise you, I promise you, when you obey God, God will show up. When you obey God, God will show up. I dare you. I can't tell you the number of times I trusted God and stopped my work before I was done with it. And I just was like, well, that's it. You know, this project's going to fail. This person's going to hate me. I'm going to get a C in this class. That's it. And inevitably, when it rolled back around, the project would get moved. The meeting would get shifted. The deadline would get extended. Something always happened in one way or another where the fear I had around this inevitable failure just magically disappeared. I've seen it over and over and over and over again in my life. I've seen God provide for me countless times, and I know he'll do the same for you when you walk in obedience. So why observe the Sabbath? Why should we do this? Why should we take the risk? Our next scripture gives us a really, really clear reason in the Ten Commandments, and it says this. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your town, so that 
your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So we already talked about keeping the Sabbath day holy, so I'm not going to camp there, right? But it does say holy to the Lord, meaning the agenda for the day is not my agenda, it's God's agenda, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But the next observation may seem self-evident to you, maybe not, but this is one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's number four in the Ten Commandments, meaning the Sabbath is not a suggestion. It's a command, right? In the same way we wouldn't break the other Ten Commandments. This is not designed to be broken either. Now, I wanted to talk more about this, but I couldn't fit it into this sermon. But two quick things, just to pique your interest a little bit. The first three of the Ten Commandments are about loving God. The last six of the Ten Commandments are about loving people, beginning with your family and moving out to your community. And the commandment that connects the first three about loving God to the last six is the Sabbath. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, he's not just making that up. He's summarizing the Ten Commandments, okay? He's not just pulling it out of nowhere. And suffice it to say, thousands of years of both Jewish and Christian uh, literature and theology put forth the idea that if you don't keep the Sabbath, it's the longest of the Ten Commandments. If you can't keep the Sabbath, you can't keep loving your God or loving people either. It's that important. Now, the, I cut most of what I was going to say about that out so that I could get to this part right here. It says this, On the Sabbath you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any animals, nor any foreigner, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. God is not just commanding the rich. He's not just commanding the powerful. He's not just commanding the privileged. God says everybody gets a day of rest, whether they're kids or servants or employees or people who are foreign or animals, neither class nor age nor ethnicity nor even species gets you out of observing the Sabbath. Why? He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And you know what slaves don't get? A day off. They don't get to rest. Talk about a distorted relationship with work and rest. Slaves are not allowed to rest until their masters tell them they're done, right? And I want to just call back, the reason we stop our work, even if it's not all done, is because work doesn't get to tell us when we're done, right? Slaves uh, don't get to be human beings that have limits. The command of the Sabbath is a com not a command to add something else to my already busy schedule and take away a day of catching up. The command of the Sabbath is a command of freedom. The Lord literally gives the Sabbath to the Israelites as a sign to say, you're not slaves anymore. You get to rest. And so does everybody else in this whole community. Pete Scazzaro says, God had freed the people of Israel, but they still had a slave mentality. Slavery was in them even though they weren't in it anymore. And the Sabbath is the rhythm God gives to retrain the inner worlds of the Israelite community into freedom and out of slavery so that they might be human beings under his lordship, not under the dehumanizing lordship of Egypt or of work. The Sabbath is a day where God says, listen to me. 
No matter your class, no matter your age, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your species, no matter your culture, no matter where you come from, you are not slaves to work. You are free. And I have freed you. Work is not your master. I am. Work does not drive your life. I do. Uh, work does not tell you when to rest. I tell you when to rest. Work does not determine how you live. I determine how you live. Sabbath is a gift because in God's economy, everyone is free. And that means everyone gets to rest. Through this simple command, he brings all of creation back in line with his original design. So what is Sabbath? Let's summarize. Sabbath is a 24-hour period of rest that is set apart for the Lord. This day of rest is designed to bring us freedom so that we work from rest and not for it. And so the last question is, how do we keep the Sabbath? Well, I just want to clarify one thing before we answer this question. I want to clarify, work is not bad. It's not the enemy. Work is inherently good. Before the fall of man, we see Adam as a co-gardener with God, taking care of the garden by naming the animals. God gave Adam a task to do, a job, a work. And Adam did that work. <clears throat> God works even to this day, Scripture tells us. And that work is not a result of the fall. His work for us is not a result of the fall. Work isn't bad. In fact, as followers of Jesus, the Bible tells us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in full-time ministry. Now, you may be in full-time ministry as a worker at Ford. You may be in full-time ministry as a teacher. You may be in full-time ministry as a business executive. You may be in full-time ministry as a student. You may be in full-time ministry as a homemaker. But wherever you work for your job, your work is to be in full-time ministry, living out your redemptive relationship to Jesus in the world. But because of sin, work is drudgery, work is hard, work is brutal, and work is consuming. And we see that happen in Genesis 3. So I just want to say work is not bad, but we have a distorted relationship to this thing God originally created good. And the Sabbath writes that wrong. It changes that. And so I just wanted to make that disclaimer before we go into what are the four characteristics of keeping the Sabbath? Now I want to list them briefly and I want to explain each of them briefly. And I think in our next series we do on this, each of these will get their own week. So the four characteristics are on a Sabbath we stop, on the Sabbath we rest, on the Sabbath we delight, and on the Sabbath we contemplate God. So let's start with stop. No pun intended there. I'm just that clever. <laughs> this part of the biblical command we just read was to say that, God, we stop from all of our work on the Sabbath. That means we stop from our paid work and we stop from our unpaid work. It's set apart. We don't do the work that we normally do on the other six days. But then the question becomes, what counts as work, right? Well, Jesus actually has an argument with the Pharisees about this. You see on the Sabbath, he and his disciples are walking by a grain field. The disciples go, I kind of want a snack. They grab a little head of grain, kind of, you know, sift it in their fingers and pop the kernels in their mouth. And the Pharisees point at that and they go, they're harvesting. That's work. They're breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus goes, you've got to be kidding me right now. And he says, listen, man was made for, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. They are not breaking the Sabbath. And this gets misconstrued and, and misconveyed. What Jesus is arguing against is not the Sabbath itself. He's keeping the Sabbath. What he's arguing against is the Pharisees' definition of work. You see, there's tons of laws in the Jewish Talmud, hundreds of laws in the Jewish Talmud, detailing what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. 
And Jesus says, that's just a new kind of slavery. That kind of legalism makes the Sabbath its own kind of work. And that defeats the whole purpose. This was a gift to you. And you know what the point of the Sabbath is? Me, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Work is not the Lord of the Sabbath. The rules are not the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one who determines what it looks like, right? And so if we look at the question, well, what does it mean to work? And what does it mean to stop work on the Sabbath? I think we're all gonna have different answers to that. For some of you, playing music on the Sabbath, that sounds like work. Trying to learn an instrument, trying to figure stuff out, not sound fun. For me, playing music on the Sabbath is a joy. I love it. For some of you, mowing the lawn is definitely work. For others, it's therapeutic to be outside and take care of my home and environment and do something good for uh, the nature around me. For some, dishes is work. For others, it's relaxing. For some, exercise is work. For others, it's centering. You get the idea. The Sabbath day is not meant to be shrouded by legalism. It is a playground with God in which we learn about ourselves and we learn about work and we learn about rest and we learn about God. We stop from all work, but what makes up that list will change person to person and may even change season to season. Next, we rest. I want you to remember being back in middle school and high school, I know you just, it was awkward, we're gonna move past that. I don't shudder too hard, right? But you remember being back in middle school or high school, and you remember waking up early, your alarm goes off, you're like, ah, oh, you brush your teeth, you're getting ready for school, you get your backpack on, and then you find out it's a snow day. Do you remember that feeling of like, oh my gosh, all the work I thought I was gonna have to do today gets to wait till tomorrow, has to wait till tomorrow, and my whole day is totally free for whatever it is I wanna do. That kind of joy, that snow day kind of feeling, that is what the Sabbath is all about right there. That's rest. If work is stopping from something, or I'm sorry, if stop is refraining from something, rest is refilling with something. You know, the Sabbath is often called a sanctuary in time because you were in time but on the Sabbath, we live like we're outside of it. Morning, noon, evening, doesn't really matter what time of day it is. I've kind of lost track. I have nothing to do, nowhere to be in all the time in the world to get there. That is the Sabbath. That's rest. Next, we have delight. Delight on the Sabbath is simply delighting in the gift of life that God has given us. We enjoy our favorite restaurants. We enjoy being outside. We enjoy our favorite music. We enjoy our favorite hobbies. We enjoy our favorite people. Sabbath is a time to play. It's a time to savor. It's a time to just simply be alive and enjoy the gift of existence. We enjoy all the good things in Sabbath. The practice of Sabbath has been described as a taste of eternity. It's a day where we taste the sweetness of resting with God and enjoy our lives in his presence. We step out of the confines of time and we experience a small taste of the gift and delight of being with him forever. And finally, there's contemplate. The Sabbath uh, is not holy unto us, it's holy unto the Lord. Which means it's not just a day for us to do what we want, but it's a day we devote to God. And it's a day where we get to spend time with Him and we get to contemplate and reflect and we get to engage in disciplines of the Spirit that move us closer to Jesus. And so here's my challenge for you as we close our time together. My challenge for you is if you're not observing the Sabbath, pick a 24-hour period of time. Maybe you go, I can't take a full day off. The Jewish people, Jesus included, 
stopped at 6 p.m., about 6 p.m. sundown on Friday, and the Sabbath ended at 6 p.m. sundown on Saturday. You can do that. My Sabbath day has changed dramatically from season to season. In college, there were times I would do noon one day to noon the next day, or dinner one day to dinner the next day kind of thing. Right now, my Sabbath is a Monday. Because I'm a pastor, I work on Sunday. Saturdays are often work days and prep days for me as well. Amber, my wife, her Sabbath is on Saturday. We have different Sabbaths, but we are able to work it out where we can still rest together on those days in different ways, right? The day itself is not important, but my challenge to you, if you don't have a Sabbath, pick a 24-hour period of time and try to observe the Sabbath through stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating this week. If you already observed the Sabbath, I want to invite you to reevaluate, to just Go, okay, you know, I, I'm trying to stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Are there places where maybe I'm just not spending enough time thinking about God or spending time with Him on the Sabbath, and it's really a day about me? Or maybe, you know, things that used to be in my work category are not, and things that didn't used to be all kind of all of a sudden are, and maybe I need to adjust, or, you know, I don't feel rested when my Sabbath ends, and what do I need to change, or, you know, I'm just not spending enough time savoring and delighting in the good gifts of life on the Sabbath. If you already observed the Sabbath, Reevaluated because this is not about the legalism and rules. This is a playground where we get to rest in the sweetness of the eternal rest we have with God. Just as an example, my Sabbath looks like this. I'm an extrovert, so I like people time on my Sabbath. My wife is an introvert. She does not like people time on the Sabbath. Uh, my Sabbath, I try to sleep in as long as I can. And I, you know, with a, with a baby child now, that's a little less time than it used to be. You know what I mean? So I sleep in. And then I wake up and I just spend time with my daughter and I enjoy her. She goes down for her first nap and then I spend time with Jesus. And I just spend as much time with Jesus as I want. And then she'll wake up and maybe I'll play a video game or maybe I'll take her on a walk or I'll just do anything that's delightful. Anything that's fun, anything that sounds fun, I might play some music. And then about 1.30, I have a phone call with one of my really good friends who's also a pastor, he's in Ohio. And we just catch up every week and we talk about life and share our hearts and share our struggles. And we, we talk for about an hour and a half to two hours. And then in the afternoon, again, I just kind of do whatever I feel like. I might work out if I'm feeling a little restless and have too much energy. You know, I'll put on a show I love and I'll, I'll exercise. Some days exercise feels like work and I don't do that. But I spend the afternoon just doing something that's delightful. And then in the evening, uh, well, we always have, we call it Mama Cozy, Mama Cozy Mondays. We make these cauliflower pizzas. And uh, I love those cauliflower pizzas. They're so easy to make. They're so good. They're from Aldi, go Aldi. And so I make these Mama Cosa Monday pizzas. And then we have band practice for my band, the Tambra Cedar. And I get to hang out with people I love, who I'm deep friends with, and get to make music together. And that's my Sabbath. Your Sabbath will probably look very different. But when we observe the Sabbath, it doesn't just get us ready for vacation. It gets us ready for rest. And it transforms our inner world from Sabbath being something we do out there to the Sabbath being something we carry inside of us, this rested place of slowness and sweetness where God is the center of my whole life. Some of you are here this morning and you know Jesus, but you're not experiencing that kind of rest. And I just wanna ask you, why not? What in your life is keeping you from that kind of sweet intimacy with the Lord? Maybe it's not observing the Sabbath, Maybe it's other activities. Maybe it's an unrepented sin. Some of you this morning are hearing this and you go, wow, that is different than anything I've ever heard or experienced. And you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're around people who believe and you don't. Maybe no one in your life believes and you're just here checking things out. 
And if that's you, I want to let you know God designed you for a rest that is truly and deeply satisfying. He designed you for a life that is meant to be lived in all of life's fullness. He designed you for goodness here on earth, and he designed you to be with him forever and eternity. But sin separates us from God. The things we do wrong, the things we do that dehumanize and deshape us. It separates us from God and it separates us from people. And when we cut ourselves off from God, we earn judgment for our sin. But in Jesus, Jesus took away that judgment on the cross. And if you don't know Jesus, he wants to invite you into a new kind of life. When he rose from the dead, he rose into a new kind of life that is life and life in all of its fullness. And so whether you're a follower of Jesus this morning and you need to repent of something or get right with God or change something in your world, or you've never known Jesus and you need to uh, make a decision to follow him today, I just want to invite you to do that with me. Lord, there is a rest you have for us that we have yet to taste. Father, I pray that you would show us what in our lives, what habit, what selfishness, what unrepented sin, what idol, what thing, Lord, is keeping us from you. Lord, we confess that and we just ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord, for idolizing work, for idolizing comfort, for idolizing ourselves, for idolizing other things. That, Lord, promise us rest, promise us fulfillment, and have never given it to us. Lord, we repent and we just receive Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us this sweet kind of Sabbath rest. And that, Lord, you would transform us. Give us the courage, give us the habit, give us the gumption, give us the discipline to observe the Sabbath and let it retrain and transform us into a new kind of person. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, or if you want more information on the Sabbath, please reach out to us via that connection card, and there are some resources linked in the video description as well. We'll see you next week for week two.